Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdomadal podcast. Oh, I'm glad you're with me. I'd be hit with hypernatremia if you shared the salty idea that you missed this week's show. Movement messaging. Expanding on the partnership theme two weeks ago, consider building a movement with orgs outside your direct mission. You'll want cohesive, effective messaging, and that's where Hannah Thomas and Morgan Fletcher can help. Hannah is with Big Duck, and Morgan is at Girls for Gender Equity. This is part of our 21 NTC coverage. And farewell, Maria Semple. Her first nonprofit radio was February 11, 2011. Soon after, she became our prospect research contributor. Maria's practice has evolved, and this is her last show. Quoting somebody nobody can identify, don't cry because it's over. Smile because it happened. On Tony's Take Two, podcast pleasantries. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn hyphen two dot co. And by Send in Blue, the only all in one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash Send in Blue. Let's get started, shall we? Here is Movement Messaging. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21 NTC, the 2021 Nonprofit Technology Conference. We're sponsored at 21 NTC by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. My guests now are Hannah Thomas, Senior Strategist at Big Duck, and Morgan Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Storytelling at Girls for Gender Equity. Hannah, Morgan, welcome. Hey, Tony. Excited to be here. Hi, Tony. Thanks. Thank you. All right. It's a pleasure to have you on Nonprofit Radio and our coverage of the 21 NTC. Uh, your session topic is me versus we. Well, we versus me. We versus me. Maybe it makes a difference. We'll find out if it makes a difference. But we'll, I'll get it correct. We versus me, building messaging for a movement Hannah, would you get us started with, with some basics? What, what is this movement messaging that we are talking about? Yeah, I'd love to start us off with that. Um, so to set some context in the nonprofit landscape, um, over the last few years, there's been a lot of efforts made by nonprofits to band together in coalition, to work in partnership, um, in, in service of movements that exist beyond even just the organization's mission. Um, so those are causes that are benefiting the collective sector, benefiting the larger world, um, and they really require a different uh, take on messaging. A lot of times nonprofits are very focused on clearly articulating themselves and their mission and making sure their audiences are really motivated to support them. But movement messaging, in order to be effective, has to be used by multiple voices, multiple entities, um, and move a bunch of different audiences to take action in support of a larger cause. Um, so we're, when we're talking about movement messaging, we're talking about sort of a reframing um, from me to we. <laughs> so that, that sort of explains the title there. Okay, so we, we versus me is okay, or me versus we is okay, but you, you wanna go from me to we. Exactly. Not we to me, that's the opposite of what we're trying <laughs> to do. All right, that would be taking a great cause 
and distilling it down to uh, we're the center of the universe and we're the only ones who can do this work. So the rest of you are out. Now, that's right, exactly not, the opposite. Of that's what exactly we're what we're not doing. Right. That's antithetical to what we're talking about. Okay. All right. Um, Morgan, let's bring you in. Let's help us understand what the, the value is of working outside our mission. Cause I, I, I want to, I'm thinking of our listeners, you know, they may, they're, they're tied up in their work and I want them to help, or I want to help you to help them see the benefit of seeing outside your own individual mission <clears throat> to a broader cause. So what, what, what was the experience at uh, Girls for Gender Equity? Yeah, for sure. So at Girls for Gender Equity, and we call ourselves GGE for short, just as context for who we are, we're an intergenerational organization based in Brooklyn um, that's centering Black cisgender and transgender girls and gender nonconforming non-binary youth of color in the fight for gender and racial justice. So with a mission statement like that, obviously actually is quite broad, which allows us a lot of opportunity to partner and collaborate with organizations who are able to meet us at the intersections of the lived experiences of the young people that we're working with. So for example, environmental justice, economic justice, all these other issues are also racial justice issues. And so we have a lot of entry points to our work, um, particularly for this session with Hannah, we, I was speaking about a national agenda for black girls, which is GGE's first national campaign that we launched in alignment with the presidential election, keeping in mind that we were always trying to center young people uh, of diverse backgrounds, but of color, to help us shift policy priorities and have them actually be informed by people who need the change in their lives. So there were plenty of organizations that we partnered with in this work. Um, we had about 60 endorsing organizations and the campaign itself is spearheaded by a steering committee of 80 young people from across the country and they each represent their own organizations that are local. So we're able to work collaboratively with these organizations that may be may fall under the umbrella of what we're talking about, right? These intersectional areas of young people's experiences, but they may not be, you know, exactly cookie cutter like Girls for Gender Equity, but the, the issues that we're talking about are in alignment with theirs. And so we're able to develop strong messaging that all of the organizations collaborating with us can uplift and use and take action on. Okay, any, was there any consternation at GGE about working in, in broader coalitions and, and excuse me, maybe you know, diluting some of our own work. You know, were, were there any was there any pushback like mm. in the organization, maybe among the board? Just you know, I'm trying to help people see what what obstacles might be might be out there for them to to do this work. Absolutely, yeah. What, what, did you have any of that? We were very fortunate, I will say that um, we had a really good base of organizations that we were used to collaborating with in this way who were aligned with our values already. Newer organizations, of course, came in and um, you know, did a gut check with us and had we had internal conversations and we hold, um, we hold regular meetings for those folks as well so we can kind of like catch them up on where our messaging is coming from to continue to check that we are still in alignment and with our priorities and framing. But I would say that actually the place where we experienced the most challenge and growth as an organization and as a campaign running team was in the messaging around identity. You know, you heard me list a couple of different um, gender presentations and identity that one might claim moving through this world. And for us, especially as we're co-collaborating, co-designing this campaign with the young people in the steering committee, we had a lot of conversations around like, well, honestly, who's a black girl? Why are we framing it this way? 
do we meet, you know, how expansive is this terminology and does it accurately represent, do people who are on this campaign feel accurately represented by this language? So I would say that a lot, uh, not a lot of, but most of the pushback that we, you know, were receiving was extremely useful because it was coming from young people themselves who were saying, you know, I'm non-binary. I don't love that this is framed this way. And I'm like, as you know, as the person who's in charge of the framing, I'm like, great, keep giving me that feedback, right? Let's create a campaign that actually represents you and how you're moving through this world. That's the point. So I would say a lot of, we're constantly having that dialogue so we can continue to make sure that the campaign is serving the people it's intending to serve. I have to broaden my mind because when I got, if I, if I were getting that kind of feedback that you got, I'd be like, this is so annoying. Why, why can't you just agree with what we all, we all, we, the rest of us agreed on? Why can't you just jump on board? What, why do you have to cause trouble? All right. So I, <laughs> it is, it makes it a really time consuming process. No, it's, frustra it's frustrating, but you always, frustration usually leads to a better place. I mean, if it's channeled right, you know, yes. if, it's, if it's unproductive, then, then, it's, then it's destructive. But, uh, you know, in creativity, I've found that frustration usually leads to a better, a better outcome. All right. Yeah. Anna, let's go back to you now. So take it a little broader, Hannah, help us identify like what, what how does Big Duck think of a movement? What, what's a, what's a movement? Yeah, I think um, actually really related to what you were just talking about, the language, the definitions, all of this stuff is, you know, always evolving and always, we're always adapting what we think about as a movement and, and the role that messaging can play in that. Um, but generally at Big Duck, we're thinking about a movement as the commitment of many to work together and create transformative change based on a shared purpose or goal. And right. we see movements. Many, oh. I'm, I'm distilling that down to yeah. uh, 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 many working on a, on a shared purpose or goal. That's right. Towards okay. transformative change. Okay. Okay. And how about um, the messaging? How do you conceive of the, the messaging? And then we're going to we're going to have to dive in and explain how we how we all work together to ally around a common message. But help us understand. I mean, are we just talking about the, the simple? It's just the simple communications. The what, what each of us produce. Yeah, I, we are talking about you know all of the different ways that you can communicate something to an audience and try and prompt them or motivate them to take action with you. And so that can be you know in a tweet. That can be all different sorts of ways that you can communicate out. That can be in the stories that you tell, the narratives that you're trying to disrupt or push forward. Um, there's a lot of different ways that you can, that can be at a rally when somebody's giving a speech, what's being said there in that context. Um, so we're really thinking big, big about what, what messaging can look like and trying not to have a narrow or prescriptive view. Okay. So yeah, whatever channels, whatever channels you have. Um, and then does, does each, well, uh, before we get to approval, like getting messaging approved or so, I don't know how, we'll talk about that process if it's even necessary, but how do you, um, how do you start to bring folks together around, uh, around a common message with, with, you know, inclusivity, Hannah, how, you just, you just convene a meeting and then you start, is, or somebody produce a document and then everybody comments on it. How, how does this process work? Yeah, I would say that there's probably a lot of different processes that work, um, but we found that in a helpful like in um, to to align yourself with other organizations, other people, individuals who who are would be aligned around a common cause is to 
start the conversation around shared values. Um, and the Opportunity Agenda is obviously a great resource doing a lot of work around storytelling, using values and all of that. But shared values are really an effective in for folks who wouldn't otherwise get the nitty gritty of, of what you're trying to achieve to understand their role in your cause and understand how it relates to their own. Um, so we, we talked about in our session, all of the different ways that you can like sort of frame, frame this cause in ways that use those deep shared values and also, you know, fill in the context around that. Um, so, you know, we all believe in love. Um, so, or we all believe in opportunity. Um, so maybe that's an effective in for somebody, an organization who back in the day was advocating for a gay marriage, right? There was a lot of, that was a great example at the time, actually, of the way that shared values were a really efficient, effective way for pe to move hearts and minds um, and to, to gather, you know, some momentum around this cause that on the surface, on the policy level, folks weren't really gelling with. That's a great example. Yeah, love. Who's going to disagree with that? Exactly. Right. Literally, right. no one. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm the I'm, I'm the anti love I'm the anti love candidate. Yeah, <laughs> Tough not, case to make. <laughs> not in favor of that. Yeah, that's my my platform is uh, is hate. Right. <laughs> well, there are people who have, have that, but they don't call it that. Mm -hmm. um, even they would say that we I agree with love. We agree with love. Um, all right. So cool. All right. All right. Um, and then starting to frame these messages like you said I'm, I'm kind of in the details like so then all right so we have these shared values uh, morgan how do we start to build messaging do we just a bunch of shared documents that uh that people start contributing to or how, how did that work yes yeah, the process well for yeah. us honestly yeah. it's it really is that fundamental, basic, just kind of like, look, let's just start putting some things down. Of course, there's all sorts of like jazzy processes you could design um, and do all sorts of like discovery conversations. And, you know, you can call it by those names and that is what it is. But I think ultimately we really did just sit down as a team internal and lay out our vision as it aligned with, of course, the larger goals of the organization, right? Because this was specific to a campaign, but this applies to all of our work. We sit down as a team we pull out a document um, and this was developed in the time where we could be in person at our office. <laughs> so we were able to sit down together at a whiteboard technically and put everything down. And then we started to introduce that to people that we thought would be great allies in the work. And so we had our entry points at each organization based on people we knew through our connections personally, um, and also just kind of put out a general call to action into these organizing spaces that we knew had similar values alignment or values alignment and similar ideas about a progressive future for black girls. So we could run with that. So it really was a, it really was a lot of Google documents, honestly. All right. So, so Morgan, did, did you have a formal organization that, that you all created or, or this just like this, you didn't make a legal organization out of all these entities, right? You just, you just all contributed to a campaign. Correct. So we remained um, Girls for Gender Equity and we launched a national agenda as an initiative of Girls for Gender Equity. Within that, we do have um, a steering committee, as I mentioned, that's young people. And then we also have the partner organizations who are represented by those young people and some who are not, but who are partners in the work at large. And so those things, those groups all have names, but we did not go about formalizing legally um, a new entity. Okay. Okay. Not necessary. All mm -hmm. right. 
Um, and so while this is going on, uh, while this larger campaign is going on, you're still doing your own your own messaging, right? At GGE, you know, that's like, not like that's suspended or anything. Nope, okay. <laughs> definitely okay. still definitely juggling both. Right. All right. <laughs> and, yeah. Did, and and how is how is fundraising impacted? Was was part of the campaign for fundraising for the for the entities, or it was it was a, a, a different a different call to action? Yeah, fundraising is certainly a call to action for a national agenda specifically because um, it has its own funding. And so, you know, we're fundraising for GGE. We're fundraising for a national agenda. And of course, when you're talking about GGE, I mean, we do narrative shift work. We do direct service work. We also do organizing policy campaigns work. So there are like several different buckets of work that we're fundraising for at any time. Um, I think what our process has been to keeping that streamlined for and under, you know, comprehensive and, and clear for our audiences is just naming, but in very clear, consistent terms, all of what we're holding as best we can and acknowledging that it's a lot. And that allows us to lean into this, the, you know, what, what Hannah and I were talking about before around intersectionality and the holisticness of the work and the holisticness of the movement work, right? So we can say, We've been very explicit about, you know, a national agenda is focusing on these national priorities. However, at a city and state level in New York, where we're based, this is what else we are holding and how it is interlaced with these other priorities. And so we're able to flesh out um, where all these things are meeting and also naming, you know, you can choose to support any of these, but ultimately supporting us will support all of them. Okay, okay. Uh, Hannah, help us understand some more around the the complexities of messaging and, and consistent messaging, or maybe you, maybe you have some big some best practices at Big Duck or something. What, uh, help us flesh out the the details of getting consistent messaging across all your all the entities contributing to. Well, in Morgan's case, it was the national agenda, but what you know, whatever whatever cause we might be working toward. Yeah, I think it's really interesting because at Big Duck, primarily, we are preaching you need to have one voice, a very consistent voice, a very aligned voice. Everybody should be a brand ambassador who understands deeply what your positioning is, what your personality is, should be able to speak, you know, all, you know, sounding the same. With movements, I think it's actually very different. I think you have to necessarily make space for people to communicate the messages in their own way, using their own personalities. Um, the movement can't, it's, it's really in my view, like an exercise in relinquishing control <laughs> in a lot of ways and making sure that it's, it's something that others can own as well and feel like is theirs to speak about in their own voice. It's, a, it's interesting, like nobody owns it, but everybody, everybody owns it, but nobody owns it. Exactly. And that's why you can see a lot of um, successful movements. One that I think is really cool is the Land Back um, movement and campaign. So their website is very um, simple and it has a manifesto with about 10 lines of text on it about all the different meanings that Land Back has in terms of a, a literal you know, meaning of we want to get this land back, but also the narrative this means about our relationship our relationship to the environment, our relationship to racial justice, all of these different things. So it sort of sets up a basic something to work with. But if you look at the hashtag land back on Instagram or something like that, there are so many folks, so many individuals who are able to um, build meaning from that, from that manifesto and take it in new directions and give it new life. Um, all sort of 
align generally around that manifesto, but really expanding, um, expanding the meaning. Anything either of you want to want to say about this this sort of this consistent shared messaging before we uh, before we move on? Morgan, you're shaking your head. You you want to add some more? Yeah, I just wanted to underscore. I think how important it is for there to be a muscle for constant vulnerability, openness to feedback, and collaboration. Um, you know, campaigns, as Hannah was saying, you know, folks are able to step into the campaign work, individuals and organizations and make it their own in a way. And that is so special and unique. And you also want to be sure that that does not spiral uh, <laughs> into another direction, of course. And so you want to also provide structure and infrastructure for folks to feel supported as they're moving with this campaign, right? Like what? Like what kind of structure and infrastructure? Yeah, so I would say, you know, developing really basic tools that people can use, like um, messaging kits, digital toolkits to provide folks with key talking points, um, graphics, if you want there to be visual cohesion to your campaign. And folks won't always use that stuff. You know, of course, they're like, that ah, doesn't match. Individuals might be like, it doesn't match my aesthetic. Organizations might be like, you know, we want to frame it a little differently so the intersection with our work is more cohesive and clear to our audiences. But you want to give folks a starting point so they can say, you know, I like looking at Landbeck's, Landback's manifesto, you know, they can refer to some tools and documents and say, okay, I know where this is rooted and I'm going to pull these pieces from it for my, my specific messaging or my organization specific messaging. And then having consistent check-ins with folks, you know, updating that regularly, letting folks know it's being updated, these real basic communications that get lost because you're holding so much. Do you feel like Giving Tuesday is an example of what we're talking about or uh, like spun writ large, you know, billions of dollars now, or is that really something, something different because it's so decentralized? I mean, we're talking about something decentralized here. Like I said, everybody owns it, but nobody owns it. But I don't know. Do you feel like giving Tuesday is an example of, could be an example writ large of what we're talking about or, or no, that's really something different. I think so. Um, no, especially it's okay to disagree with me and say it's something. <laughs> no, oh, I was thinking about it. You know, I think, um, I mean, we're talking specifically about very progressive movements. I, I certainly am, but I'm thinking about how they, you know, they really provide, we, we obviously participate in Giving Tuesday, um, and they always provide such incredible materials. So you, you feel so clear through the process. Okay. I've got four, I'm four months, six months out. How do I build this campaign around this moment? Right. And you, I, I always feel so prepared for Giving Tuesday because they're able to roll out such robust materials to build that infrastructure for us as organizations. All right. Well, there's at least lessons to take from Giving Tuesday in terms of the support. You know, you, you mentioned support infrastructure. Um, one of the things that you mentioned in your session description, Hannah, is that uh, you want folks to reconsider some best practices that may be hindering their cause. What does that mean? Like yeah, what? We, we hit on some of it earlier when we we're talking about um, intersectionality and making space for, you know, other causes or things that are not directly in your lane, but maybe in the next lane over. Um, I wanted to include, say this Audre Lorde quote of there's no such thing as a single issue struggle because we do not live single issue lives. So if you are an environmental organization, but you don't see that how that could connect to racial justice or to voting rights or to whatever else may be out there, you're missing some great opportunities um, to expose you know, that there's critical connections between all that we're doing. And it can be really hard. That's the, the me versus we in action is like, 
I need these dollars. I need these donors. I need the spotlight, all of that versus um, a different mindset, which, which we think of as the scarcity versus abundance mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, what I was just explaining is an example of some scarcity thinking versus we want to spotlight this whole ecosystem of change we've got going on, of which we are a piece. Um, there's room to show how we're connected to what our peers are doing. There's enough dollars and donors to go around. It doesn't have to be us who gets all 50 of this donor's dollars. Maybe they give us five and they give everybody else five too. Um, And again, a de-emphasis maybe on dollars, right? Folks have currency that goes outside of, you know, money. And how are you showing value for that? So a lot of ways of like, kind of decentering your organization um, in a healthy, in a healthy and productive way. So that's one example of disrupting sort of best practices that we think about. All right. And that's related to what you had said earlier about surrendering control. uh, The point that nobody owns this. Exactly. Right. Another one. That's, that's very good. Decentering. Right. Uh, What what else? Uh, Another, another sort of mind shift that, uh, that you want to encourage. Yeah, we had a whole section where we were talking about disrupting um, dominant narratives, which I think Morgan can speak to a little bit more. But dominant narratives are these sort of pervasive, like the way we say things or the way we tell things and the things that we assume that we are are all really sharing. Um, and movements are a great opportunity to really disrupt that and, and form new narratives um, that are healthier and that are um, more progressive and are going to frankly help us transform the world in the way we want to. I don't know, Morgan, if you wanted to chime in. Yeah, I would just add as like a specific example, um, you know, for us, when we're talking about, when Gigi is talking about our, the constituents in our programs and young people who are in our campaigns, you know, a lot of the work that we do is around shifting the narrative around the, and your, your audience cannot see this or, or cannot hear this or see it, but I'm using air quotes when I talk about the, you know, monolithic black girl, right? Like this, and no community is monolithic. This says it, this means nothing, right? So what are, you know, for us to break down that absurd premise, um, it requires us to really give opportunity to young people in our programs um, to tell their unique story as they want to tell it. And so for us, our narrative shifting work looks like passing the mic. It's not about me, the director of marketing and storytelling, going to a rally and giving a really great speech. You know, it's about young people going to that rally and them giving great speeches or um, speaking in front of city council in, in New York, which we do quite frequently, or talking to legislators across the country, you know, other types of campaigns that we're building out right now, video and social media storytelling campaigns that really allow us to present a breadth of experiences. And all those people are saying, I fall somewhere on this black girlhood spectrum, this identity spectrum, and my story may not look like this young person or that person or that person, but it is still important. It is still affected by the legislation that's happening in this country and therefore it's still relevant. Okay, I have a little uh, work going on in the background. I don't know if you can hear that uh, buzz. So yes, you can. Okay, sorry about <laughs> that. Um, all right. Um, Let's let's leave it there. Uh, but Hannah, why don't you just take us out with some last minute motivation? I, I can see ego has to be you know checked at the door. You know we've been talking about decentralization, uh, decentering yourself and 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 your organization. Um, so yeah, to Hannah, leave us with some last last second last minute motivation. I have the perfect way to close this out, and this is awesome. what we closed our our presentation with: was how important the role of a radical imagination is 
in helping develop movement messaging and helping you create that story that you want to tell and move folks towards action. I think it has taken, um, I'm paraphrasing um, Adrian Marie Brown, who um, wrote in Emergent Strategy, how it took somebody else's imagination for this world that we have right now to come to fruition, right? For all of these structures and all of everything going on to happen. And we need to use our imagination if we want to create something different. And I think that if nowhere else, that really radical imagination, that proud, you know, proclamation of a future that we're going to get to really belongs in movement messaging. Um, So it's more of an abstract ending note, but really important to use your imagination and be sharing, sharing your vision for the future unapologetically. That's Hannah Thomas, senior strategist at Big Duck. Also was Morgan Fletcher. Director of Marketing and Storytelling at GGE, Girls for Gender Equity. Hannah, Morgan, thank you both very much. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks, Tony. Glad to have you. And thank you for being with Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio coverage of 21NTC, where we're sponsored by Turn2 Communications, turn-2.co. It's time for a break. Turn2 Communications. You remember them. The Chronicle of Philanthropy, The New York Times, The Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Stanford Social Innovation Review, The Washington Post, The Hill, Cranes, Nonprofit Quarterly, Forbes, Market Watch. That's where Turn 2 clients have gotten exposure. You want that kind of press? Turn-2.co. Your story is their mission. It's time for Tony's Take 2. The pleasantries, the podcast pleasantries have to come out. They haven't been, for some time, they've been dormant. They've been on hiatus for several weeks, but they're back. Pleasantries to our podcast audience. You 13,000 plus listeners throughout the world. We've got listeners. Yeah, we've got listeners uh, in Germany. Um... Where else besides North America? Certainly North America. We've got Canada and Mexico covered. Uh, uh, so those go without saying. Not that, we, not that we take the, not that we take the northern and southern neighbor listeners for granted. No, no, no. But they're there. It's, it's just kind of understood. You know, it's, it's Tony Martinetti nonprofit radio. You just know that all the North American countries are going to be represented. It's, it's just, it's subsumed. In the name. That's, that's, that's what it is. That, that, that's what I mean to say. It's subsumed. So we got North America covered. That's subsumed. Going abroad. Oh, uh, Germany, um, often, uh, checking in, uh, Italy, France, uh, UK, certainly. Oh, UK. Those are the ones that come to mind. And if you're out there in other countries beyond those just named, let me know. I'd love to shout you out. Love to. The pleasantries. The pleasantries, I'm grateful. I am grateful that you listen to Nonprofit Radio week after week. I'm glad the show brings you value. I hope it gives you actionable steps or things you can start thinking about to lead to action. That's what this is about, right? So the pleasantries to you, our many, many podcast listeners, I'm grateful. That is Tony's take two. Send in blue. 
It's an all-in-one digital marketing platform with tools to build end-to-end digital campaigns that look professional, are affordable, and keep you organized. They do digital campaign marketing. That's what we're talking about. Most marketing software is designed for big companies and has enterprise-level price tags. No, no, not here. Sendinblue is priced for nonprofits. It's an easy-to-use marketing platform. They walk you through the steps of building a campaign. You want to try them out and get a free month? Sendinblue? Hit the listener landing page at tony.ma slash sendinblue. We've got Buku, but loads more time for nonprofit radio. Here is Farewell, Maria Semple. It always has been my pleasure to welcome Maria Semple to the show, of course, month after month, year after year, many years. Uh, today, it's uh, bittersweet to welcome Maria Semple back to Nonprofit Radio for a farewell. Uh, you know her. She is the prospect finder, a trainer and speaker on prospect research. Her latest book is Magnify Your Business tips, tools, and strategies for growing your business or your nonprofit. She's our doyen of dirt cheap and free. She has been for many years. She's at theprospectfinder.com and at Maria Semple. Uh, I always used to say, Maria, it's a pleasure to welcome you back. Uh, It's a little, like I said, bittersweet this time though. Uh, Hello. Well, Owen, well, you're still welcome. You're still very welcome. It's just not so much of a pleasure. That's all. Oh, well, thank you for having me back for a a little bit of a farewell. And you're right, Tony, it is bittersweet. Um, You know, you and I have been talking in one way or another and having it recorded uh, before the the time of internet radio, we were doing uh, some um, uh, tele-recordings, right? We would do recorded calls. and That's right. We had those phone calls. Yes. We did a few telecalls together about planned giving and prospect research. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Back, back in the day when it was teleclasses, right? Calls, right. Yeah. Yes. And then we did some, uh, some conferences together. That's right. Prospect prospect research and planned giving. Um, And then it's been many years on, uh, on nonprofit radio. You've, it's been like eight years or so you've been with the show. Yeah, absolutely. As our prospect research contributor. And it's so been so- what's going on? What's going on in your professional life? Well, you know, uh, my business, you know, in the last couple of years has expanded and, and uh, focused a little bit more, uh, you know, like the title of my book, Magnify Your Business. It's really kind of focused a little more on online marketing strategy, social media, email marketing, LinkedIn, and really, um, you know, expanding to beyond nonprofits as well. So I work with a lot of small businesses and financial advisors. Um, and, um, and I've been, you know, pulled back a little bit. I've been, you know, having moved to uh, beautiful crystal coast of North Carolina, I've been uh, working more part-time than, than full-time as I was back in New Jersey. Um, and I'm doing a, a ton of volunteering for a number of different um, organizations and, and capacities. And um, one, one of the most recent projects that I'm really excited about is um, expanding broadband. And, you know, that's a big topic right now, yeah. coincidentally. Um, so last year I was invited to serve on a committee here in Carteret County to expand broadband opportunity 
um, in underserved and not served at all regions, believe it or not, there are pockets down east and so forth that just don't have any internet. Um, and so we saw in the last year how important it was to be able to stay connected. Um, and so through the um, Carteret County Economic Development Foundation, um, I continue to serve on a committee that's going to now be implementing some of the um, deficiencies and areas that were identified in the digital, digital inclusion report um, that, that came out. So that's right. one of the big projects. So you're working more part-time and that means you're, you're not gonna be contributing uh, prospect research wisdom uh, as our doyen of dirt cheap and free uh, on, uh, on nonprofit radio. So your, your focus has shifted a little more a little more business oriented, only part time, a lot of volunteer work, which I mm -hmm. love because we, we only live 12 miles apart about. So uh, right. you're helping you're helping my community, too. Uh, yeah, uh, we're in the same county. Um, all right. I understand. Yeah. Uh, not so happy to hear it, but uh, I understand. Yeah. And I'm serving as my uh, HOA board president. Uh, so oh, I hate HOAs. Oh, my God. So I, when go. I moved here. Uh, Homeowners associations, yeah. So you're uh, uh, you're those people who say you can't you can't put this color on your door and you can't hang this on your windows at Christmas time. Is that you? Yeah. Oh. Unfortunately, unfortunately, oh. I have. I didn't. I unfortunately, yes. There are there are rules when you live in an HOA community. So either you live in one or you don't. <laughs> right. I, all right. I don't. But you're the president. You. You're going to be the Scrooge at Christmas time. Your lights are too bright, or or whatever. Yeah, no, we don't get into to lighting because it's all common area lighting. You know, it's a, it's a condo complex. It's not single family homes. Right, so. right. Well, well, people can outline their windows with Christmas lights or something. Oh yeah, we we allow that. That's fine. Okay. <laughs> we, allow, we allow Christmas lights. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm getting a sense of. Uh, why I know you I can't I, paint your door any color you want to paint your door. There's a specific you color you have to paint your door. Specific color for everybody. <laughs> All right. All right, Madam President. Yeah, I'm not uh, personally. I'm not too keen on the HOAs, but I I understand you 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 bought knowing that you were part of an HOA. So I guess you might as well be active in it so you can insert some degree of reasonableness. I hope. Yes. I hope. Yes. Yes, I right. hope so too. Well, I'm also the chair of the social committee, so I'm I'm all about the fun. Okay. <laughs> well, but if you harass people too badly on their door color, you may not, you may have zero people at your social events. So <laughs> one, one activity may offset the other. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. I'll see how see how those two things are playing. And together. in the nonprofit space, also, Tony, um, you know, I, I think I've mentioned to you before. There's something called the Crystal Coast Nonprofit Network that exists, and mm -hmm. uh, We've be, I've been facilitating the meetings uh, through Zoom um, for the over the last year, uh, and so it's starting in September, we're going to start meeting again in person. So you should really come out and get to know some of those nonprofits here in Carteret County. It'd be fun to have you attend. Uh, I'd love to. I, I, yeah, you mentioned that before. I think I followed up, and then uh, I didn't. I'm not sure what happened after that. <laughs> well, anyway. September. Okay. We're taking a break, not meeting in, in uh, J July and August. We just met this week, not meeting July and August, meeting again September. And uh, 
So that's a nice, nice network of nonprofits. And I launched a website for them, uh, created a site and launched it for them so that they had a space online. Um, so yeah, I'll send you the link. Okay, Crystal Coast. All right, Crystal Coast nonprofits. All right. Yeah. All right, Maria. Well, you know, I'm grateful for all the hours we spent together over eight years, you helping nonprofits understand prospect research, how important it is. It's, it's, it's so much richer than a lot of people realize. Uh, it goes way beyond Google search, way, way. And people who've been following you know that. Yeah. Um, so I guess I can just say thank you for everything you contributed for, for all our listeners over so many years. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. And, and thanks so much for having me. It's been great, great fun. It's always been a pleasure. Today's a little tough, but uh, up until today, it's always been a pleasure. All right. Absolutely. All right. She's Maria Semple. She's still the prospect finder, but uh, just part-time and more business oriented. Uh, her site, theprospectfinder.com and at Maria Semple. Thank you, Maria. And so long. So long now. Take care. Next week, let's try to get Amy Sample Ward or Jean Takagi back. I'm working on that. If not, they'll be up soon. And next week will be more from 21NTC. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you, find it at TonyMartinetti.com. We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications. You remember them. You've heard of them a couple times. PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Send in Blue, the only all-in-one digital marketing platform empowering nonprofits to grow. Tony.ma slash Send in Blue. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great. <laughs>